Clubhouse. Welcome to Decorating the Set from Hollywood to Your Home with your hosts, Beth Kushnick and Caroline Daly. Welcome to Season 4 premiere of Decorating the Set from Hollywood to Your Home. Beth, we're back. I'm so excited. I can't believe it's Season 4. <laughs> Snuck right up on us. I swear. It was just it Season 3. It really did. Well, <laughs> considering that we started decorating the set right at the start of the pandemic, it's shocking that it's four years now. I know, Beth. I feel like looking at my body and my face and my hair and whatnot, I'm like, it's only been that long. It's <laughs> From the beginning of the pandemic to now, I feel like I've aged like 20 years, for sure, at least. Well, not not really four years, four seasons. <laughs> four seasons, of course, of course. Now we know what we're doing, Caroline. Absolutely. Are you kidding me? With season four is going to be so spectacular. We have lots of plans. I love all the feedback we're getting from listeners. People want to know all these different tips and they want to get more in depth, which I think is what we're going to do this time, this season. We're going to really dive a little deeper into some of those tips. I know we're going to talk about lighting today, but also we have some great things coming up like upholstery and things like that, that I think that people are really going to want to get into some of that nitty gritty, want to know how to do it. And we still want those questions. So anything you're curious about, send my way. Where can they send those questions to, Beth? They can DM me at Beth Kushnick on Instagram, and soon they'll be able to contact me through my website. I can't wait for that new website. That's going to be amazing. What are you looking forward for season four this year? More interviews, I think. I am excited about bringing my vendors to the forefront and letting people try to understand more of the ins and outs of what I do as a set decorator. People are going to love to get that inside information. Yeah. With this season's premiere, we're very excited to take you into Beth's professional world with first and foremost, this exclusive interview with one of Beth's longtime collaborators, Scott Leroff. He's the president of City Knickerbocker. And for those of you who don't know, City Knickerbocker is our go-to lighting and fixture rental company for the TV, film, and theater productions. And it's a family business that's been around many years. So, Beth, let's set the table a little bit for our listeners before we jump into the interview with Scott. Your job is collaborative by nature. You're working on set with so many different people. How do you even start really looking for a vendor like City Nick? Well, I go back many, many years with Scott from City Nick, and I've developed a working relationship with him where he's really one of my go-to vendors because he brings so much to the table, so many different ideas, so many different periods and styles of lighting. And as we all know, I'm lamp obsessed. So <laughs> it really makes a difference for me. And it's a way to bring pieces that are really unique to every set that I do, but also thinking about it for your home if you spend some time looking for really unique shades, unique lamps, 
things that you wouldn't see necessarily in a big box store. Or even I like to take a lamp from a big box store and shade it differently. So it would never be sold that way. And you'll have your own unique lamp. So when you go to someplace like City Neck, do you go with like a laundry list of things that you know specifically you want or are you like a browser? It depends on the job. Sometimes I go with specifics in mind and other times I go for research and for inspiration. If you're a young set decorator, new to the job, no idea what you're doing, are you showing up at City Neck needing to know exactly what you want Or is this the type of place where Scott or some of his associates would would walk you around and give you some ideas and inspiration? Just being in the showroom with all the lamps, I feel would give you inspiration to start off with. But Scott has the knowledge to provide any set decorator with ideas. And very often he'll take a fixture and rewire it, or he'll look for something that I'm looking for. And what's in the deep, dark corners of City Nick, uh, you never know what you might find. So it's worth going there to be inspired and to have a discussion. And you never know what might come of it. That's amazing. It's so great when you have an opportunity to bounce ideas off of an expert who can know, like, you know what, in a back corner somewhere in a box. Yeah, I have exactly that's what, what he says. He, 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 <laughs> he How says, did I know. <laughs> he says, wait a second. I know just the right thing. <laughs> Scott seems like such a wonderful guy. I'm so glad we got to talk to him for so long. How long have you known him? Pretty much uh, over 30 years, I'd say. Wow, that's amazing. So again, going back to our earlier seasons where Beth talked to us so much about forming those relationships and keeping them for a long period of time. These aren't the types of places that you go once. I'm sure you get addicted, right, Beth, where you just want to continue to shop there. Absolutely. So now our interview with Scott Leroff, president of City Knickerbocker. Beth and I will be back afterwards to wrap up this episode. Joining us today is one of Beth's longtime collaborators, Scott Leroff, the president of City Knickerbocker, the preeminent lighting fixtures rental company to the television, movie, and theater industries. Scott, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. It's exciting to be on. Beth and I not only have been collaborators, but we've been friends for forever. Forever. Yeah. Scott, tell us uh, about the history of City Knickerbocker, affectionately known in the industry as City Nick. In particular, um, how did it become the go-to lighting source for fixtures for TV, film, and Broadway? We'd have to go back to my great-grandfather in 1906 who started City Knickerbocker. He started it by... uh, converting what was uh, gas chandeliers and wall sconces to, uh, he would electrify them for people. He also loved the opera and was close with some of the people that were involved in the, the New York Metropolitan Opera. He would build fixtures for them for their opera. And they eventually said, we don't have any room for these. Why don't you hold on to them and we'll rent them from you? And uh, that's how we started uh, in the rental business. And that was really back in the teens or 20s. So he did that for a while. My grandfather came into the business. My grandfather was 
doing um, Broadway as well. And he got into designing lights for restaurants. He did a lot of restaurants. But he also did uh, the early days of television. And they would come in and rent things or we would build things for them. So you're the fourth generation to run the family business. Yeah, the fourth generation. Was it something that you always felt like you were going to continue with? That's a really good question. I mean, I was doing it since I was a little kid. I would go in and play there. So, um, yeah, I I guess maybe in the back of my head, it was always something that I wanted to do. I love the business. I love finding old fixtures and rewiring them and fixing them and and polishing them. And it, it was just fun. Just to give people an idea, how much space do you now have filled with fixtures? Uh, We have 20,000 square feet, and I would say about 19,999 of it are filled with fixtures. We have a lot of fixtures. We've, We've amassed an incredible inventory of fixtures, and we're getting more every day. All different periods, styles. All different periods. Different kinds of lighting. Yeah. I remember one of my first jobs, I felt so proud that you were able to really make me understand the difference in different kinds of lighting. So when I spoke with a DP and talked about sodium vapor light it was something that I knew and I sounded like, uh, you know, experienced in that. And it's, right. it's really an amazing thing to think about all the different kinds of lighting that you have. We do. We have every period from gaslight all the way up to very contemporary fixtures, LED fixtures we're, we're getting into now. We have a huge selection of fluorescent fixtures, but our love is really the period fixtures, the teens, the 20s. That's what we have a wonderful selection of. And for both the exterior and the interior. So yes. you have yeah. you have uh, major street lights and all kinds of things that someone may not consider at first is set decoration, but when we're doing a period film and we have to make it look correct period-wise, very often we do that with an exterior fixture. All the time. Or if you're shooting inside and you're shooting out a window and it's nighttime, they'll want to see a, a street light or at least some glow. But yeah, we have 14-foot street lights. It's a lot easier getting them in this place than in our old place. <laughs> I I know that all of our listeners know Beth's love of lighting. So I can't even imagine when she met you, Scott, like how Obsession. this came to be. <laughs> right? <laughs> I'm like thinking she's like, I need the light, Scott. It fuels like, my obsession. <laughs> I love it so much. Tell, tell me, both of you guys, tell me a little <laughs> bit about how your working relationship came to be. Do you remember the first time, Beth? I don't. It's, I don't remember. It's at least 35 years ago. It is. Yeah. Yeah. It could have been uh, when you were at Broadway. It could have been. I don't know. I honestly don't remember. I love that you guys, you're, you're like, you're like, my friendship just is like beyond time and space. It is. Right? It is. <laughs> I love it. I love it so much. You guys have just been working together forever. It just seems like all of your careers. 
Yeah. Sources in those days when I first started were few and far between. There wasn't a whole concept of decor accessible to people everywhere and there wasn't Amazon, there wasn't the internet, there, you know, it was a very kind of different situation. And there were, there were a few sources that were just a given. And if you needed lighting, you went to City Nick and that was it. It was a time that in a way was simpler. There was never a question of, you know, whether a DP wanted with sodium vapor or would deal with LED lighting. There were certain hard, fast rules that had to be followed. And it was the sign of a good decorator to know those technical things. And that I learned from Scott. Well, for lighting, yeah. Yeah. We were very lucky that we were the only game in town, I think. Um, Some of the other prop houses had lights, but... Yeah, but certainly we, not the quantity. That's all we did. Yeah, that's yeah. all we did. That's all we had. For me, as a decorator, I've gone on and on about lighting being another whole layer. It's something that I focus on and keep separate. Like, there are certain jobs that just require starting off with the lighting. They can set the mood and create like the whole look of where the show is going to go. In particular, more recently, I did a horror movie that's going to be coming out. And the first thing I did was go with the production designer to City Nick and kind of craft the whole story in these lights, both exterior and interior, because they really set the mood. For shows like The Good Wife, something as important as our courtroom... I remember I was desperate looking for a sconce big enough to have an impact. And Scott came up with the greatest idea, which was to take this vertical sconce and just use three of them in a row. So they looked perfect and it gave us the scale that we needed. So it's problem-solving, almost set pieces that come together fixture-wise that make a huge difference. The chandeliers in the, in the courtroom, certain things that we invest the money in the rental, do a long-term rental, because it sets the whole mood Beth, I know you talk a lot about relationships, right, that you have with your vendors and the interactions Mm -hmm. and everything you have. And I know that's a big deal. Obviously, that was a huge problem solved that you had there with Scott. So, you know, with COVID and and the business changing where things are going online so much more, how do you guys work with that, with that sort of medium where you're not really in person all the time? Well, I have to say, Scott has one of the best websites in the business, and it's sort of newly developed, but I know that website. I study the website. I know what I'm looking for, but there's always a way in which he brings another idea to the table. I remember so specifically on Rounders, uh, which was a movie all about lighting, lighting poker tables and things that I hadn't done before, especially in moody exterior lighting that he would come up with that set the whole tone. Did I remember you brought Rob in? 
Yep. I brought the the production designer, the same situation. And they yeah. really, the, the production designers who, who uh, especially those who are from out of town, get totally inspired. And we build a fixture or we come up with something that everything else takes off from the fixture. And Rounders was... Uh, you know, we used to joke that American cinematographer was coming to interview us on how we lit the set uh, <laughs> because there were so many practicals, so many elements designed lighting-wise. It really can make all the difference. Scott, what's your approach in terms of like problem solving, especially when you have to do things maybe online or just through pictures or that type of thing? The biggest issue is getting the right size because most vendors that we use are more residential. So like when Beth is doing a, a courtroom, you need big fixtures, you need big chandeliers. So we really have to look far to find the right size or fixtures together like we did for the good wife to make it look like a, a a larger fixture so so that's definitely an issue but the website our website has the sizes and we've amassed some larger fixtures just for that reason recently for this horror movie i used a fixture a chandelier on a rolling rack as a set piece we didn't even hang the fixture but you'll see it in the film when it comes out. And I'll give you all a tip when it's coming and, and you'll look for it. We lit it up and we just had it in the corner. There are ways in which lighting ends up being so important and so striking. You know me, I'm obsessed with lighting. I hate where you see lampshades growing out of actors' heads. So I work really hard <laughs> to balance the lighting and to do my own prep work for the DP. You know, we call these fixtures practicals. You always want to have a practical in a place where you would normally see it. There's a certain craft to driving the light, whether it's lighting up a bookcase or lighting up under a cabinet. One of the reasons why Scott and I work so well together is because we think of every way in which the light operates. You know, is it a down light? Is it a shaded lamp with a see-through shade, with a, a shade that's going to create ambiance with a certain tone? And he really understands that I want to do that work for the DP because for me, it adds so much to the set. I think people really respond to it. it. It sets the mood. It does. And color is so important. Color of shades and it does set the mood. With Beth, we always like warmer colors. That's a whole thing for you, Beth. Yeah, that's, all th that's a whole thing <laughs> for me. You know, you, know, you want to glow. You want your actors to glow. You want to glow at home. I love warm-toned shades that have some tooth to them, we say, you know, that have right. uh, some pattern or some texture. Any shade that you would necessarily 
purchase with a, a lamp at a big box store, I always recommend changing to something more warm and more, more warm texture. And, no, and texture. No yeah. white shades. No, no white, white shades. shades. Tell us, Scott, my Lord. Here I am now <laughs> thinking, do I have white shades? Well, white shades <laughs> have, have well, white yeah. shades have their way in film. Oh, we don't like seeing white. It's yeah. uh, it's too but, hot and it's too bright. Brings but, too much attention to itself. Right. Mm, we need subtle. We need those demure right. lights, right? Absolutely. <laughs> you guys tell I me like a little demure bit. Demure lights. I love that. We we talked so much on on the podcast, Beth, about you know your love of incandescence and your hate for LEDs. So talk to me a little bit about like LEDs, fluorescence. How like how do we know what to use where in our home? How do you know what to use? I know you guys you said you like warmer stuff on the set. How do we know like where do they have a place in our home? These LEDs and whatnot are like no, please stop. To be extreme, Scott fosters my hoarding of incandescent bulbs. Um, I had a feeling we might have figured out your source here. (laughs) Yeah. Um, They're they're currently in my dishwasher. I love that. I use my dishwasher for storage of the bulbs. Um, And I just think that it's really terrible to see beautiful, renovated, gorgeous houses and apartments and they come down to the lighting and the bulbs and they're these ugly fluorescent bulbs casting this green cast everywhere and it can alter your whole mood your whole way in which you live in in we do it in our office every new office that i move into we never ever turn on the fluorescence we just <laughs> it's lamp after lamp after lamp but in my kit i travel with lamps because that's important to me and also i'm looking at samples and everything i want to look at it under real light instead of looking at under fluorescent light Scott, do LEDs and fluorescents have a place in this world? Should they just be be gone already or what? Well, they're here to stay, so. Just surgical surgical rooms only? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I use them here. I like warmer colors, but they're hard to control. It's hard to control the light. When you take an incandescent light and you dim it, an incredibly warm color comes from it. When you take a LED light and you dim it, it's the same color. It just is not as bright. So it's just easier and more advantageous, I think, to use a incandescent bulb. But being said, they're getting harder and harder to find. So I think the LED lights are getting better. It's true. They have really developed. Right. Um, You can get a warm... 3,000, even 3,500 Kelvin light bulb that's fairly similar to a incandescent 60-watt warm bulb. So it's better. Fluorescent? Uh, no. No. Not no. just has, anymore. <laughs> right, yeah. Fluorescent has its purpose in, in warehouses and hallways of tenements and stuff, but... That, it's a, it's a hard no on fluorescence. Yeah. 
you're not right. you're not convincing me or Scott. Well, to you're going to create ever. a certain scene, right? When you get that buzzing light bulb yeah, situation, exactly. oh, yeah. right? With it, when yeah, it the horror exactly. movie. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Then you know where you're about to be heading into when you see that light, right? Yeah, you sure do. That's funny. What a, what an important signal you guys give the audience when you just blink a light bulb, a fluorescent light bulb, right? You know, there are iconic lamps, you know, when you think about it. And, and Scott and I did this for the television series Evil, recreated the exterior of The Exorcist when he's out there standing by the streetlight which City Nick did 50 years ago. We did the the same exact thing. People don't realize that they're seeing something iconic that includes a fixture, but sometimes just one street lamp can tell the whole story. It did in that shot, didn't it? Yeah, wasn't there like a ton of online talk after you guys have the the street lamp out there where yeah. people were like, "Oh my god, the fixture!" Yeah. <laughs> like people too, people knew what they were seeing. It was very scary. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that like freaked me out. Right. Yeah. Beth said, "Did you watch it?" I said, "Yep, I watched it, but I'm not watching it anymore." <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. You're like that light was over the line, Beth. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, Beth. <laughs> So, Scott, we always like to give our listeners practical tips. Can you give us some tips for shopping for the right lighting, especially in home use? Yes. For table lamps, it's it's more personal taste. But for chandeliers over a table, that's, that's where people um, a lot of times have trouble uh, as far as size goes. We like to say no more than half the size of the table. So if you have a 72-inch table or if you have a, say, let's say a six-foot table, you don't want to go more than a three-foot chandelier. And you want to think about the size of your table, the shape of your table. Sometimes if you have an oval or a round table, it's nice to mimic that shape. And there are so many choices available. It's sometimes nice to look for a round chandelier or an oval chandelier. If you have a rectangular table, you could use either. But the shape and the height at which you hang the chandelier is also important. Right. When you're standing up, you never want to be looking at a light bulb. That's always my preference. If you have a closed fixture in the bottom, you want to bring it up higher because it'll spread the light more. But if you have a chandelier that has just light bulbs, which people do if you have a crystal chandelier, keep the body of the chandelier at about eye level when you're standing the bulbs should be a little higher than that. And use shades. I never like looking at light bulbs. Beth, are you the same? Oh, absolutely. And you're in the light bulb business. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's right. And if you're disgusted like... by looking at them, well, then the rest of us can't be looking at them. <laughs> right. It just, yeah, it's just, to me, it's just, it looks better with. They seem uh, naked, right? Like, yeah. where's their yeah, clothes? It it's missing something. Well, you know, there's also this all new style of exposed light bulbs, filament bulbs. In certain industrial settings, that looks good to me. But pretty much everywhere, I agree. I don't like looking at the naked bulb. Scott's also, uh, yeah. he, he's a, a big lover of picture lights. 
right? Yeah. Picture lights of people love their artwork and they don't light it right. And if it's not lit right, it doesn't look the same. It always looks better in an art gallery sometimes. And that's because they light it right. And I think that people think that picture lights are like only traditional museum kind of stuff, but there are some really beautiful streamlined modern picture lights that are, you know, could light up a wall where you have no other place for lighting. You know, it gives you another option. So for our listeners who want to get a great idea of what is going on over at City Nick, they can head over to the website and check out com and check out like just all of these amazing different pieces that, Scott, you've had beautifully displayed here on the website. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. Um, it's our brand new website, in fact. We are a prop house, so we really rent. So we don't sell any of the things on the on the website, but it would give you a wonderful uh, idea and uh, information on, you know, maybe something that you want to look for. It's true. He doesn't even sell to set decorators. Yeah, Scandalous. it's true. <laughs> you know, I think though, like a website like yours is is in many ways like how people use Instagram to get that inspiration or get you know be able to take a picture and take it to their designer themselves or or go hunt down the fixture themselves. Lots of jumping off points just looking around on the site. Absolutely, it's a history lesson. It's true. Looking at, at everything is. that there is to offer there. It's fun to look at. The variety is crazy, right? There's so much variety on it. I think we have over 10,000 light fixtures on there now. That's so, awesome. yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> but it's fun to go through for sure. So, Beth, I know that like you go on there for not just like a lamp, you know, on a nightstand, but like you're getting all your lighting from there. All of it. It reminds me of a story that I had dealt with this situation on Mortal Thoughts, a movie that I did in 1991 with Bruce Willis and Demi Moore. We had dressed a whole police precinct and the set took up most of the stage. And it was supposed to be really well crafted. It was absolutely filled with stuff. I mean, it put Barney Miller to shame. You know, it looked like uh, every little piece of paper and signage and we had worked for weeks putting it together and the director was Alan Rudolph who's really a set decorators director he's incredibly visual and tells stories visually as a matter of fact I think he's the first director that really took into account what was up on the walls in another level of telling the story and I was just thrilled to work with him and I wanted everything perfect and it's a Friday afternoon and we go to show Alan and the DP the set and he says you know Beth I love it. I just love it. It's so detailed. I just think maybe if you strip away just a little bit, it'll work for me. So, you know, I have my whole crew there and we take away like a little bit of top layer, a little bit of the mess, a little bit of paperwork. And then he says, yeah, I'm, I'm starting to see it, but I think we have to go further. Let's take out more of the paperwork, more of the files, more of the junk kind of stuff. So we take it away. And as we're taking it away, we're putting it all on the side of the set that's at that point empty. And six hours later, we were left with a water cooler, 
a police car and a red light on top of the police car. <laughs> and we had stripped the whole set clean. And literally, I never even got to take pictures of it dressed. Every single item, except some of the furniture, file cabinets, a couple of benches and stuff, a desk, and it was gone. And I have to say that even though it was my work, I think it was really effective. And that red siren light on top of the police car ended up being the driving force in the scene. And I couldn't be mad about it. <laughs> you know, it, <laughs> I, was, I was a little bummed. But that weekend, we worked the entire weekend to empty the stage so that the crew literally had room to move into the stage. That was for sure a set that was all about one light. Well, for like lighting experts like the two of you guys, I mean, you must have moments like that where you just have the perfect piece or the perfect light in some way that just changes the entire mood of a set. That's so amazing that lighting can do that. I know Beth would tell all of us we should have <laughs> believed that to begin with, but that's remarkable. Also, especially, you know, when you can have a little sense of humor about some of the fixtures themselves. Scott has some pretty great monkey lamps. Um, right. you know, Hula girls. Hula girls. Um, you know, real character-driven pieces that I always like to go for and sort of stick in a corner. And I know that my educated, trained eye fans will notice. <laughs> That equals me, Scott. I'm all like, is that a monkey lamp back there? I freaking love a monkey lamp. Listen, you know, uh, there was a group of people who discussed pretty extensively Alicia Florek's bedside table lamps and why they were what they were, which were just, you know, a certain floral lamp, almost bohemian, but they just ended up working in the room. And it caused a bunch of intrigue. Yeah. <laughs> funny. Who knew? Didn't we do uh, something wild for a character in the good fight? We, yes. we building a, you were building a sex palace. Yes, phallic lamps. Right. That's what we did. We <laughs> rented all of the phallic lamps that you had. Golden glitz. That's right. <laughs> That's a whole su that's a whole subsection of the website. Exactly. Out, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they're in there. Well, so Beth, a lot of times when we talk with our listeners, and it's a lot of times they're students, there are people coming up in the industry. Tell them why is it so important to go to an expert like Scott versus just heading over to Home Depot or just shopping online. Well, number one is the history, the period, the styles. Educating yourself on that is really, really important. And I always want to have something off the beaten path, and that's what you get at City Nick. It's not something that you've seen before. And the knowledge in Scott and how things get put together, it makes all the difference. It's filmmaking considering a point that is not necessarily what set decorators do, but I think it's of paramount importance, you know, the aspect of lighting the set and providing these practicals is really a part of our job. And I take it very seriously. Thank you for taking it so seriously. I do. 
Scott, what do you think you bring as as this expert? Like when you wake up in the morning, you think like, here's what I want to offer today at City Knickerbocker. What are you hoping that your relationship with these different industry people, what do you hope that they can accomplish with your lighting? Well, I kind of feel that our stuff is almost like a character. It just brings an extra layer to the story. Rather than going to Home Depot and just getting a new lamp, ours shows age or it shows usage, and it helps the story. It helps yeah, tell it the story. it adds to, to telling the story. I find that certain things on set, from a crew standpoint, are always commented on, and everything from City Nick has a certain patina and a flavor, and I find that more so than a lot of other furnishings or decor, that's something that the crew is drawn to. And when the crew, who are, tend to be jaded, are talking about the lighting, it means something. I'm going to ask each of you guys whether it's a project you guys work together or separately having to do with your with your lighting. Tell me a favorite project or something that was very memorable, even if it was just a challenging project. I remember we got in trouble because we cleaned the dust off a chandelier. Someone came in and picked out a chandelier and we cleaned it off. We packed it up and the next day called up. He was yelling and screaming saying you took the dust off the chandelier i took that one because the dust yeah so we don't do that anymore and then sometimes we get calls and said this thing is so dirty (laughs) part of that yeah he said you're lucky i didn't charge you extra for that dust that's that's history (laughs) history dust from city exactly this is authentic dust Right. How about you, Beth? Any favorite projects or challenging projects that City Knickerbocker helped solve for you? One of my most recent films was a horror film that's coming out. And I really think that I did the right thing bringing the production designer with me and touring the whole place and marking down things that we liked. We weren't necessarily clear with the whole vision when we did that. But it really formed our approach, and it made a big difference in the way that we designed the film. I think especially in something like a horror movie, when lighting is so important, you're driving the thrill, depending on what scene it is, if it's at night, if it's... Uh, you know, in a scary place, very character-driven work. And it was great to be able to look at everything. There was a, a stained glass hanging fixture, and it wasn't necessarily something that you would see every day. And I, I don't know, for both myself and for the production designer, it stuck with us, and we were committed to finding a place for it which we did eventually. And it really helped us in terms of scale. You know, we were shooting in some big areas that required a lot of size. And, you know, for the first time in a long time, we were doing in-person work during COVID and it really made all the difference. You can see the stuff on the website, but when you're looking at it in person, you see the dust, you know? (laughs) <laughs> that very, true. very expensive dust. Yeah. <laughs> Production designers, I, I like looking at them and their eyes are wide open. Like they're, they almost get excited. It's fun. 
And I know for people like Beth, I know this is like Toys R Us. Like they walk oh, in absolutely. and their faces light up. You must love that. You get to play that role that gets to introduce them to all these amazing things. We do. Tell our listeners, Scott, where can people find you online on, on Instagram, your website, all that good stuff so that people can check out your work and all these amazing projects and the actual products that you have online. It's cityknickerbocker.com, City Knickerbocker on Instagram. I think we're on Facebook. Yeah, check us out. It's I think it's fun. I think it's amazing for for all of those up-and-comers in the industry. Again, Beth has, has encouraged you guys, learn your history, learn where these vendors are and how to do this, like the experts, right? Like Beth. It really sets you apart when you have the knowledge of different styles and periods and when you can speak on those things and be the most informed. Scott, thank you so much for joining us today. Listeners, definitely head to City Knickerbocker's website and Instagram feed for some amazing looks at their decades of work. Scott, we're so lucky we had you come on with us today. We hope that you'll come back another day when we have more lighting questions. I would love to. Thank you. Thank you, Scott. (laughs) Thank you so much. I just want to thank Scott again for his time speaking with us and for City Neckerbacher for all the wonderful work I've done with them for over the years. Beth, I'm so excited for season four and exploring all these new topics, bringing our listeners all these new interviews and, and of course, a peek behind the velvet curtain. That's always the most exciting portion. (laughs) Me too, Caroline. We're going to have some exciting episodes, take you inside some projects I've been working on the last few months uh, that I can't quite reveal yet but we'll be talking about them all that's the little tease you are a tease beth always well that's going to do it for this episode thank you all for listening and don't forget to rate review and subscribe to decorating the set from hollywood to your home at apple podcast spotify podcast or wherever you listen to podcasts please leave a five-star review it helps a lot in promotion of the show five stars people thanks for listening Decorating the set from Hollywood to your home is an original Pod Clubhouse production. Recorded, edited, and produced at Pod Clubhouse Studios. For more information, please visit us online at podclubhouse.com. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to Decorating the Set at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening.